0: Hello, YA fantasy and adventure fans. My name is Jess, and this is CamCat Unwrapped. You've been listening to Jester by Brielle Porter, and we have the author here with us, for the first time in this new studio for a virtual interview, and we're very excited to have her on. Brielle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. We're so excited to have you. I really, really enjoyed reading this book. And it's so funny, I think I've mentioned this to other authors too. I always say, I'm so excited to have these authors here because every time I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity. <laughs> um, so We'll just jump into it then and um why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so thank you for that. That's really sweet. Um I am
1: a Washington native originally. I grew up in Seattle area, Washington. I always say Seattle, but it's actually across the water in like a little tiny town called Silverdale. Oh. Um I lived there most of my life. Went to high school there and then um after my husband and I got married, we wanted to somewhere with a little more space and so we ended up moving to like a seven acre farm in North Idaho. So we've got goats, chickens. I am a beekeeper. So we have bees and we've got three
0: little boys that are like another set of animals sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. You have three boys. Oh, that sounds like yes. a very fun and busy lifestyle. <laughs> it is. Um, and that is so cool to live on a farm and to, I mean, I feel like everyone kind of, At least I do, maybe not everybody in some way has like the dream of going and moving onto a farm and forgetting the city life, especially me being in LA. (laughs) But that is so cool. I feel like you're living my dream. So that's amazing. (laughs) Um, We have all been listening to Jester um, or, you know, the audiobook of Jester. Um, Tell us a little bit about your background, I suppose. What connects you to this fantasy adventure genre? This book is not like anything I've read in a very long time. So it was such a fun thing to get to see. I'd love to hear just all about what inspired you to write a book like this.
1: Yeah, so I grew up reading, like, epic fantasy, you know, Mm. like, Chosen One Trope, the, you know, Dragon Riders of Pern, Shannara, Lord of the Rings. I basically just pulled stuff off my dad's, like, 80s fantasy bookshelf and (laughs) went through all of that. And then um, I got super into, like, Bruce Coville in elementary school. I just was always really drawn to the fantasy genre because I was this anxious, geeky kid who got picked on a lot and fantasy was an escape i felt like i could live these awesome adventures live this extraordinary life as myself you know and kind of live vicariously through these characters and so fantasy's always been an escape for me um i wasn't always super happy with a lot of the tropes that are in fantasy um I felt like back in the 80s, you kind of got, like, one kind of fantasy, and while I really enjoyed it, it didn't always relate to me. I feel like a lot of the main characters were male, you know, they were these sprawling, super long fantasies that were, like, you know, 200,000 words, and so when I got older and young adult was sort of becoming a thing, because it wasn't when I was a kid, um, I was really excited because it seemed like it was a lot more female centric. Um, you had a lot more romance as a subplot, which is something I'm really interested in. And it's a lot shorter and easy to digest. Mm. And so I was like, OK, like I still love to read YA as an adult, which is really fun when you're talking to like a group of women and they're like, you read books for teens. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like, it's awesome. Yeah, I'll read it. But so naturally, when I started writing, I I wanted to write what I loved and kind of Change maybe some of the things that I didn't love about the trope or just maybe have my own say in it. And so that was, I guess, kind of why I went in that direction.
0: (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. And I think YA, and I've talked to other authors about this as well, it's really for all ages, you know, is it like maybe slightly geared toward a younger audience? Sure. But I know so many adults who still love, you know, that's why the Twilight books, all those like other like big YA series became so popular is because all ages were like, wait, I can get behind this. And I definitely feel like Jester is one of those books that everyone can get behind. It's so, so, so much fun. I love also that you talked about wanting to have a strong female lead in your book that you can identify with. And I'm wondering if you possibly modeled her after you, uh, I modeled, you know, Lisette after you, or if you modeled any of your characters or events in your books after things that happened in your real life.
1: Yeah. So Lisette was kind of who I wish I was as a teen. Maybe, maybe not exactly that. She, she, um, has the impulsivity that I had as a teenager and maybe some of the bad decision-making that I had as a teenager. I also felt like growing up, a lot of the teens that you see in fantasy are, they don't act like the teens that I hung out with or grew up with. They're all kind of perfect, you know? Luke sure. Skywalker's where they already know what they want. They're good at it. And they're very morally upstanding. And me as a teen, I, <laughs> I wasn't that good. <laughs> I had a hard time <laughs> relating to that. And so I wanted a character that felt like a teenager. Sure. And um, so she was definitely a lot more like my teenage self, but she's a lot braver than I was. She's a lot more ambitious than I was. And she's a lot more morally gray than I was. I was pretty rule abiding. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun to write her and kind of live vicariously through that. But yeah, I did base a lot of my setting. Um, so again, with fantasy, you oftentimes see European based um, fantasy, which is. I love it. I will always love European-based fantasy, but I grew up in the United States, the Pacific Northwest to be specific. And we visited um, Southern St. George, Las Vegas area a lot growing up because my dad grew up in Vegas. His dad worked at the Nevada test site. And so the desert was a huge part of my childhood. And I always wondered why you didn't see that in fantasy, you know? Sure. I wanted a setting that was something that I could relate to and I feel like we have so many beautiful places in the United States that would lend themselves really, really well to fantasy, and so I wanted to do something outside of that traditional, you know, forest fairy tale setting, and so and pay a little bit of tribute to my grandfather and my father since they did have that connection to Vegas and sure. to the Southern Utah area. So,
0: I love that. I love that you were able to connect everything to your family and, and to these places that were important to you. I. I'm always just so inspired when I hear that authors are doing that, like really tying it. And that's so neat too, that, you know, the fact that you'd been to the desert so many times growing up that you were able to really immerse yourself in the place I'm sure um, having been there yourself, it's, All of the things that you're saying are just fulfilling a very deep need for me to know that like authors are so connected on many levels to their books. So that's really special and cool. And and I was also a very rule abiding teenager. So I tend to prefer the ones who are a little bit more unruly and and not quite the perfect teen that you see a lot in in writing. So I, I think that's part of the reason I connected so much is because I really was able to identify with Lisette. Um, I really did love the world building you did, especially the rules surrounding magic. Um, what was your inspiration for that? I know you said that you grew up reading a lot of fantasy and loving fantasy, but it just felt like such a logical connection for the magic in the world to to have with you know nature and and its people um so i'm wondering what inspired you to do that because i feel like i don't see things that have that kind of natural folly
1: with the um, magic i would always read these fantasy novels and the first time i really saw magic done differently because it felt like for a while everyone was kind of doing similar you know similar things And the first time I saw someone do something different was Brandon Sanderson in his Mistborn series. And I was like, whoa, you can change the rules. You don't have to do the same thing every time. Mm. And I was kind of sitting there pondering magic and, you know, if we really had magic. And I was also kind of pondering the emphasis in our society on entertainment. I mean, we pay the entertainment industry such a huge amount of money, you know, if you think about places like Las Vegas and Hollywood, and <laughs> and so I thought, if we had magic, I think a lot of it would be dedicated to entertainment, and that that would be a huge part of it, because a lot of times you see, like, the weapons application, you see the practical applications, Definitely. and those are all really fun and cool, but I was thinking it would be really fun, This, you know, if magic was real, how would it affect entertainment, um, what boundaries would be set in that, because you could almost do anything, and how would people use these powers to you know entertain and so that kind of was a seed for the idea of the whole book and when I started thinking about you know Vegas and the stage magic shows I just thought it'd be really fun to kind of combine the two and so (laughs) it kind of unrolled from that and then I thought of the inheritance idea because to me it always made sense that if you had magic it would be something that could be passed on genetically and that was something sure. I wanted to kind of explore. Um, just because the family aspect is interesting to me that I have a lot of generational stuff in my family stuff that my grandparents passed down and that was good and a lot that was bad and I wanted to kind of explore that generational um, side of things with magic sure. because you know there would be elements of that that would be complex. And, you know, what if you don't want to pass it on to your child? you have this bad relationship? Then what happens, you know? Mm. And so I got to kind of work through some family issues (laughs) while writing it and (laughs) um, kind of just look at it in a different way than I had seen ever done before, which is really fun.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that there is something really special about that in itself you know as you said you get a lot of good you get a lot of bad and as you're receiving things from family and you know a lot of I think a hot topic right now just in the media I'm hearing a lot about generational traumas as much as we also get all of the good things too and it seems like Lizette had a definitely a good mix of of the things that she got from her father you know from her family so um So that's really cool the way that you were able to incorporate that real life aspect. And I didn't even think about it until now how real that really is, you know, that so many people are kind of left with just whatever the generation before them passed on to them. So I think that's really well done in your book for sure. Um, I love hearing all of this backstory, just how you decided to come up with your characters and everything. Uh, But I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit now about your writing process, because so many people, including myself, are interested in hearing just, especially when you have such a concept that is so uniquely yours, what that looks like from start to finish for you. Yeah. Um, So
1: (laughs) I write out of order. I have ADHD. I wasn't diagnosed until I was an adult. And so my brain just does not work sequentially. I have to kind of chase whatever's interesting to me. And so when I was writing Jester, I would just write whatever scene piqued my interest that day. And then by the end, I just had this huge mess of scenes. I tell people it was like having a puzzle and half the pieces are missing and half of them are from the wrong puzzle. And I had to put it all together. And so (laughs) I kind of think like, My past self hated my future self, but it worked. We ended up with the help of my agent and with my editor at CamCat making something that made sense and was logical. Um, It was quite a knot, though, to Untangle. I don't recommend it. I wish I was one of those people that could just sit down and, like, have everything plotted out beforehand (laughs) and... (laughs) I'm just not that person I
0: I really can't do it. Sure well we've talked we talked a lot on the podcast when we do these interviews about plotters versus pantsers like people who have to sit and plot everything and people who are like I'm just going to start writing and see where the story takes me it sounds very much like you're a pantser and that's served I think you very well, it served a lot of our authors very well in the writing of their story because you can, everything is interesting because you can tell that's what you were interested in when you were writing it. So that's very cool. And also the editors at CamCat have really just been such heroes for me personally, but for, you know, for our authors too, it sounds like they've been champions for sure. So it's really always great to hear that, uh, that they're, they're doing it right, you know, <laughs> that they're doing right by the people. So that's awesome that you were kind of able to hone it into the story. And I'm wondering, because, uh, you know, I, uh, my boyfriend has ADHD, so I, I've definitely seen it kind of take its toll sometimes as far as, like, what do you focus on or I'm too focused on this, I can't focus on that. Um, what do you feel like was your hardest scene to write, and did it have to do with your ADHD, or was it just totally coincidental? You know, the scenes themselves,
1: I enjoyed writing because, like I said, those were kind of the things that I chased. But for me, the transitional stuff is really, really hard, kind of making it all flow together like a story, because you can't just jump from scene to scene. (laughs) Um, And so going through, and kind of weaving through and making, like stitching it together was such a struggle because that was all the stuff I skipped. It wasn't interesting. To me. <laughs> sure. And so I had the hardest time just like, okay, I have to sit down and kind of force these words out. Um, and I had a lot of help from, you know, beta readers, uh, critique partners. So many people helped me with that because that just is not my strength at all. And honestly, it's so nice that you said that about my world building. I feel like, um, For me, world building is something I enjoy a lot when other authors do it. I don't feel like I'm as good at it as I wish I was. And so I did struggle a little bit with that. Um, And so writing those scenes, I really was trying hard to (laughs) dive deep into this world. I'm not like a nitty gritty person. I'm like, okay, let's move on. We've got it. You know, this magic. It's magical. I should just understand it. But (laughs) anything that that is confusing,
0: you can just throw in. It's magical. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yes, that's awesome. yeah I did struggle with that a bit (laughs) that is honestly really surprising to hear only because as I said I just found it so immersive and interesting and I'm a Brandon Sanderson fan as well so when you mentioned that he was your inspiration for some things I was like oh that makes a lot of sense because I'm a fan of his and I can see the connection there but it is so yeah just so funny to me to hear that that was something that you struggled with um so Yeah, we talked a little bit about things that you have struggled with and that you were inspired by all these authors and and ways that you have pulled from your life into this story. Uh, I'm wondering what sort of research did you have to do to inform your story?
1: Okay, so the research part was really, really fun because I didn't know a lot. Oh, it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know, like, a whole lot about stage magic when I started. I always been interested in it, but I didn't know a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And so I researched everything from, like, sword swallowing, which was fascinating. I guess some people practice with snakes, which I did not know. And it totally grossed me out. It was super interesting to read. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it's weird because they are naturally drawn to, like, dark places. And so it's really easy to train with them, which gross if you have a snake version that's maybe not the best tidbit but uh, um yeah and so that was really fun and then I researched like fire eaters in South America um I read an interview with a guy he has he does fire eating at gas stations just to earn a little mm. bit of extra money and he was talking about how his friend has all this throat damage from swallowing the gasoline and it's really intense I mean and then I also read about um Just a lot of the escape acts, I got really deep into that. It was part of it. Like, not all of it was super necessary, but it was really fun. And so I went on some tangents with
0: that a little bit. Sure. I love that. You know, I would have assumed that a lot of the research was, like, how to create a magical world to some extent. But I love that you actually researched the art of performing. Uh, Were you ever a performer? No, I always wished I was,
1: but... (laughs) I'm too much of an anxious wreck. We do have um, an amusement park here. It's called Silverwood. And so I went to, there's a stage performer there. I went to a lot of his shows for research. Um, I actually even got to talk to him a little bit and interview him. Uh, He's, a fantastic magician, and so it was really cool to kind of take some of the stuff I saw him doing and use a little bit of that in my story. I wanted it to feel like you were watching a magic show. Sure, um, yeah. And have that same, you know, those same trickery and elements of surprise that they have, and even though it is real magic, I wanted there to be some illusion and some of that fun,
0: because that is kind of the fun of it. (laughs) Right, yeah, I totally agree, as part of the fun is like, you have been duped and it feels like magic <laughs> and yeah, I definitely yes. thought there was a good balance of that too, <laughs> which again, like delighted me as a reader and surprises me as an interviewer to hear that that was something that didn't just like come so naturally to you as you, in your story. Cause it felt so believable. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Sure. Well, speaking of performance and different types of entertainment, <laughs> Um obviously reading is a very popular among book lovers <laughs> form of entertainment and we have all been kind of listening to the audiobook which is also a form of reading and entertainment. <laughs> um so did you get a chance to listen to your audiobook? What was it like hearing your own words read back to you? Uh I as someone who listened to the audiobook felt very extra immersed in the world just hearing all of the music and all of the uh, the things that like I don't know just kind of clenched it for me. So were were you super involved in the audition process as well? Yeah. So Camcat is
1: awesome. They let me. They narrowed it down to their top three or five. I can't remember. And then they had me pick my favorites. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, we're going to take into consideration what you want because you're the author, which I was so excited about. Um, And we all ended up actually agreeing on the same narrator and I love her. Her audition blew me away. They were all really good, but um, hers just blew me away. Um, I found out later that she actually did some of the voices for Pokemon, which I watched growing up. So I felt like this connection. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was a weird connection. And then she also um, has narrated for V.E. Schwab, who is one of my favorite fantasy authors. And so, it was just so cool. And she just really nailed Lisette. I felt like she Definitely. had the voice that kind of encapsulated the voice that was in my head. Um, and so hearing her, it was like hearing Lisette come to life. And that was really, really surreal for me as the author. Um, my husband actually prefers the audiobook. He's not a reader. So he, we sat and we read it or we listened to it all together in the car on a road trip. And it's, so it was pretty cool for him to be able to read my book that way.
0: <laughs> totally. And had he, I I mean, I assume he was one of your um, beta readers and also someone who read the book um, at some point too. So did he feel similarly hearing the audiobook? Like, whoa, these are your words coming to life. Yeah. He was really excited
1: because I, so he's very much an audio person. Like he struggles with text and stuff. So when I was mm. coming up with the book, I would read scenes aloud to him and so when he heard the audiobook he was super excited he's like oh my gosh she just reads it so perfect I can totally picture everything in my mind it was cool to see it come alive for him in a way that I think up to that point it really hadn't just because he's not that you know text reader and I'm not the greatest reader of my own words and so (laughs) I think that's when it (laughs) right I think that's when it really kind of came alive for him so it was pretty cool
0: Sure. Oh, that's really neat. And you said you have three boys or that have they, I mean, I don't know how old they are, but have they shown an interest in yeah. your book at all? Um, yeah. So my oldest is nine, so they're pretty
1: okay. young and I've told them they have to <laughs> wait till they're a little older, but my oldest keeps trying to sneak it and
0: read it. Oh, that's like, very yeah, hey, you might
1: want to wait a bit, buddy. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> that someday. is really so sweet. Oh, I love that they're <laughs> very involved. That's very cute. Um, well, again, you know, I... I feel like maybe it's just the audiobook experience lends so well for me personally um, to just the visual aspect. Like you hear the voices, and I feel like you can see the face. And I've also seen your photo enough times, you know, being doing in my research, in being just a part of the CamCat team. I become very familiar with all our authors. So I felt like I was watching you as Lizette. Um, so. I just feel like I always have an image in my head as I'm listening to the audiobook. So to me, this is a very natural transition. But um, if your book were to be made into a movie, again speaking of more entertainment and other mediums of entertainment, uh, do you have an idea of who you would cast? Uh, do you ever, as you're reading your own words, feel like you're watching it as a movie in your head? What is what is what do you think? What are your thoughts? Oh man. Totally. I think every author kind of
1: fantasizes about having their book made into a film. Um, sure. I've definitely like fan casted my own <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, I really like Nicholas Holt. I think he's in um, mm. The Great right now, but I feel like he would make a great Luke. Luke. He has oh, that yeah. like snarkiness that I think would be amazing. <laughs> as soon as then, you said his name, I was like,
0: <laughs> Luke, for sure.
1: <laughs> oh, he'd be perfect. Uh-huh. Um, I think for Lisette, she's a lot harder for me to cast just cause I had such a specific vision in my mind, but I really love Anya Taylor joy. I think Ooh. she has that like combination of sweet and vicious that I think would just be so perfect for Lisette. And I just love watching her on screen. She's just gorgeous. And so I feel like she would be an amazing Lisette.
0: and that kind of youthful um, energy too. I feel like she embodies really well. Yeah, oh, she I really does. That. She's amazing.
1: Yeah. Um, I actually based Killian off of Killian Murphy. If you've ever um, seen him, he's no, like that's the so young version. <laughs> <laughs> I named him Killian. I was like, whatever, it'll be an Easter egg for me. But um, I, I guess he's probably a little old to actually play him. So I always thought maybe Timothy Chalamet would be a good like alternative.
0: Sure. Um, I also we have fully just in our conversation with the authors accepted young fill-in-the-blank actor as an answer so young Killian playing Killian also works as an answer oh yes he would be ideal so oh amazing yeah that's so great yeah Timothy Chalamet for sure too I could see it yeah he'd be good yeah he's got that same kind of like I don't know like I don't want to say dorkiness but kind of like I I guess the same, like, way he carries himself that I picture that he would have. Yes, so I guess. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. Well, again, I very much enjoyed reading Jester and just because I am self-indulgent and also, yes, I do ask this question to other authors, but this is for me. Um, Do you have a sequel in mind? Are you writing other books? Um, What is your, your plan as an author for next? So...
1: Jester was a lot of fun. Um, I loved being in that world. It is written as a standalone. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to do a series, but um, at this point, the thought of plotting out a series when it's hard for me to plot one <laughs> book is pretty intimidating. I have a lot of respect for authors that can plot out series. Um, sure. So for now, I'm, I'm not going to close the door on it, but for now...
0: It is a standalone, but, um, you also sound very busy with the farm and the three kids. (laughs) Like it sounds like a a little crazy. (laughs) I can understand the, you know, we're going to table that.
1: (laughs) Um, and it's like, after you live in that world for so long, um, kind of hard to dive back in. Um, I, I really need the novelty and the freshness to, for me to write. Um, but I am working. It took me a long time. I actually went through some writer's block after Jester was pubbed. Mm. Um, I, I think I was just burned out. It, you were writing for sure. so many years that it just took a lot out of me. And so I couldn't write or finish anything for like a solid year. And then oh, wow. I've just started working on something that I'm really excited about. Um, I've dubbed it Victorian Ghostbusters. But oh. basically <laughs> basically it's about a um, con artist who convinces rich people that their houses are haunted and then she will exercise them for like huge price. Um, She gets Mm. roped into a real um, Ghostbusters type thing where basically this spoiled brat has opened up a portal to the underworld by accident and unleashed basically a bunch of ghosts and they're going around possessing everyone. So she has to solve a real ghost problem and she has no idea how to do that. So I'm really excited about
0: it. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds really fun. Well, I hope that makes it across my desk at some point because I get to you know, help out with some of the acquisition reads as we're funneling in books to decide what we want to publish and not. So that what sounds like such a fun one to get to okay. to read the manuscript for if, if and when you end up finishing it. I hope it makes its way to me. Um, that is so cool. And you mentioned also... You said after years of writing Jester, it was hard, which, of course, I would imagine so. But how long did it take you to write Jester?
1: Well, from start to finish, it was about two to three years. The okay, first wow. Draft took, yeah, it was a while. <laughs> um, I The first draft took me around a year, and then I queried that for... I don't know, six months or so. Sure. And once I found my agent, we went through a bunch of revisions. Um, I had it go through critique partners. And then with CamCat, we went through that editing process and that took a while as well. And so it, yeah, it took a couple of years, which is crazy to think about.
0: Yeah. And I also know from start to finish for, you know, from the time our authors typically submit to its final pub date typically takes upwards of 18 months. So I'm sure that, you know, was a a part of the process as well. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine so. Well, you had previously said that you were an avid reader as a kid. Are you still reading a lot? Do you have any books that you're reading right now? Yes. So um, just because
1: I'm super busy, I always start a book and then I can never finish. And so I basically like shuffle three books, like I'll get the library hold and I'll, I'll start reading that one. Then when I don't finish in time, and the library takes it back, then I'll start another one. So sure. I've actually got three that I'm reading right now.
0: Um, amazing.
1: I'm reading The Stolen Air* by Holly Black. Um, Ooh. She, The Cruel Prince series actually really inspired Jester, and so I love Holly Black. Um, I'm also reading Defy the Night by Bridget Kemmerer, and she's amazing. I love her. Um, and I'm also reading Oh, what is that one? Dance of Thieves by Mary E. Pearson, who is also one of my favorite authors. So oh, amazing! they're all really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> we love great <laughs> female
0: authors, you know, strong female yeah. leads. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's awesome. Oh, well, amazing. Well, I mean, this has been so much fun, Brielle. Thank you so much for joining us. Before I let you go, um, where can our audience find you?
1: Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I'm a little more active on there. My handle is at Brielleums is a high school nickname. (laughs) And then I I am also on Twitter, same handle. And then I also have a website that's not great, but it is there. So it's BrielleDPorter.com.
0: And I'm sure if Victorian (laughs) Ghostbusters ever comes to be, we'd be able to find it there as well. Oh, that's so great. Yes. Well, thank you, Riel, so, so much for joining us. This was such a fun interview. I'm glad I got to pick your brain a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. This has been a blast. <laughs> oh, for me as well. And to the listeners at home, you can find Jester in audiobook, ebook, and print formats on our website, camcatbooks.com. You can watch Camcat Unwrapped on our YouTube channel or listen to us on all major podcasting platforms. And make sure you follow us on social media at camcatbooks.com. Thank you all so much once again for tuning in and unwrapping another one of our books to live in with me. My name is Jess, and I will see you all next time here on CamCat Unwrapped.